Rebyug. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Michael and Benjamin's podcast. Welcome back to the tiny room. Of course, it is the digital version of On Shomer Bjog as we are still in isolation. And I, even though I'm in isolation, I'm joined somewhat digitally and somewhat distantly by my podcast, who, my podcast host, who I must say, despite the fact that it is the height of summer and it's sunshiny and beautiful out, looks somewhat pale and wan and has a somewhat sunken, sunken pallor. To his skin. I wonder what that could be about, I wonder. Hmm. I'm going through changes, Michael. I'm going through changes. Uh, there's a there's a waifish quality to my walk now. Almost oh. as if I was I was floating upon the air. Uh, oh, that's not good. There seems to be a very intense smouldering gaze akin to the rock in many of the You're a smouldering gay. Uh, hey, hey, and proudly wear it. Okay, <laughs> let's uh, that, that avoided some, some nasty litigation in the future. The music for the podcast. We don't actually have anything music. Very good. Very good, Benjamin. Very good. Benjamin. Yes. Speaking of uh, smoldering gaze, a lot of people's <laughs> gaze has been cast onto the Snyder Cut this week. Oh, oh bloody good. Schneider, 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 also known as Disappointment Central, next stop Schneider Cut. I see what you're saying, because it probably won't be good. It probably won't be good, Michael. Can't Benjamin, we, we, we kind of brushed over it a bit last week, but there's a lot of more interesting details to come out about this bloody stupid thing. They're saying it might end up being four hours. Why? Four hours, because uh, apparently there's so much footage that there was four hours of footage before he even left the project. Jesus! And if you think about it, think back to the trailers, Ben. Remember there was loads of um, the trailers were almost one hundred percent footage that didn't end up in the film. Yeah, that's true. There was all the stuff about Cyborg's backstory, and yeah. we know for a fact that um. Iris West was cast and filmed scenes for the Flash's backstory. and It's weird. It's bizarre. It's going to be weird and terrible. But look, we'll watch it and buy the action figures. Four hours. Four hours, Ben, they're saying. Four hours. Are we doing... The other interesting... Are we doing a watch-along? No. Oh, I suppose we will, yeah. We will. But we have to. The the other thing they haven't said, Ben, is they haven't said it's getting a, a release as a film. Oh. They're just releasing Zack Snyder's Justice League. What if it was a bloody miniseries? That'd be good, Michael. I'd watch Would that. Would it? Yeah. No. That'd be more your speed. No, I'd, oh, you're I'd, being I'd watch two episodes and then I'd lose interest. And oh, the, never the Ben Colopy classic. The Ben Colopy's a Colopy classic. I Benjamin, just... which led us to think before the podcast, we were having a little think together. No, I've accidentally posed two, uh, two Black Panthers too close together on my shelf and it looks weird. In in what sense is it like a cat fight? No, it's just there's two identical characters standing beside each other, <laughs> and the face printing is so good it look they look like twins. Oh. Anyway, sorry that was a that was a, a distraction. Benjamin, that led us to think: what other bloody well films might we someday now see if this turns out to be a success? Yes, uh, a, a re-release of. Uh, well, the, the one that you bloody touted, Michael, which is just phenomenally upsetting to me as a human being, is bloody David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Yeah, the the air cut. The air cut, which, first of all, Michael, if anything's worse than Justice League, it's probably the Suicide Squad film, which was just yeah, well, mm, is a hot it? mess. Mm. Um, yeah. A hot, hot mess. Um, 
I don't know, Michael. I, I think that opens a huge can of worms. I, I'm sure Jared Leto will be delighted because he thinks he somehow deserves an Oscar for his yeah. performance as the Joker. There'll be loads um, of him in it. There'll be loads of him in it. And, Michael, I have never found anything to be made better by a little bit of extra Jared Leto. Jared Leto, no. No, he, that's he is true. A, a poor condiment to add to any sandwich. <laughs> Benjamin, what about the trank cut of Fa- Fantastic Four? What's the trank cut? Remember, remember, what's his name? Josh Trank? Josh Trank, who directed the Fantastic Four and then Sony interfered and they reshot most of the film and they had, what's her name? Kate Mara, is that her name? Yeah. Kate Mara in funny wigs. Oh God. Then we'll have, then we'll have Amazing Spider-Man 2 re-released. The bloody oh yeah, Mark Amazing Web Spider-Man cut. 2, the Mark Webb cut. The Webb cut sounds... Very, very simply, like a special collector's edition of the actual film. Um, I would like to see uh, Spider-Man 3, the Raimi cut. Yeah, I mean, like, this is a whole can of worms. I don't think any... I don't... I'm not certain, Michael, but from my from my remembrance... Um, yes. David Ayer and Scott Schneider shot a Zach, lot of Zack Schneider. Zack Schneider. Schneider, sorry. Who's Scott Schneider? He's a Batman writer. I guess. Um, <laughs> um, from to to my knowledge, they shot quite a bit of extra footage. I'm not certain that Raimi cuts or no, no, of course have no, that no. availability. No, they, they don't exist. They don't exist. But uh, I'm I'm sure there'll be a bloody release a Star Wars cut of some kind. Oh yeah. Surely there'll be a, a release the solo cut or or something like that. Oh, release the Mi- Mitchell and Webb isn't right. Who, who, Lord and Miller cut. Yeah, do you know what oh, I mean? Solo. Oh, yeah, I that'd think, be that'd be interesting. I think the real danger here, Michael, is if directors, if auteurs, those that fancy auteurs, themselves yeah. auteurs, get get a whiff of this, they might kind of start pushing to have their cuts released in a in a kind of and uh, I don't know. It's it's just it's a mess. Look, look, it's brilliant, Michael, isn't it? It's brilliant. I, I think all our worrying here is for naught because I don't mm-hmm. think this is going to be very, very good. I don't think it's going to be very, very good, Ben. But I think it might be very, very successful. Yeah. Again, we're looking for the sonic boom. Uh, very good. I see you're sticking with that. Trademarked. Um, twenty twenty, and I think they are going for that big time. And I think it could pay off because Michael, fan men, a fan men and their money are yeah. soon parted. It very easily parted, Ben. Have you ever seen my tiny room of tat? <laughs> a fan man, a fan man, and his money are soon be separate. Is uh, the old yeah, phrase, the old wives' phrase. Uh, yeah, it's pretty bad, and studios will have no qualms, Michael. Not a qualm amongst them with separating that cash lickety split. Benjamin, speaking yes. of studios having no qualms in the pursuit of cash. Nice. I watched this week Ben's recommends from last week. I watched the first episode of the bloody new Snowpiercer TV show. And Michael, well, Ben, I think first of all, um, why does it exist? It's very strange. <laughs> it's a very very strange thing to exist. Um, yes. You you told me last week that there was an all star cast kind of as well, and I I was watching the first episode. And as you said, uh, Demi Moore plays the the kind of the train lady, the go between. Yeah, yeah. Um, the interesting thing about her, about Demi Moore in this, is she looks like and sounds like, and for some reason is credited as Jennifer Connelly. 
And ah, it's a really strange thing. I don't, I don't know what she's at, really, to be honest with you. Damn it's, it. it's, uh... Damn it. <laughs> I, have, I have white lady blindness. I oh, God, I, I knew you were going to say them. that. They all look the same. I can't distinguish them. They all look the same to me. 80s American actresses all look the same to me. Heavy of eyebrow and dark of hair. That's they're all the same. <laughs> Between that and a series of runway models from the nineteen eighties, I'm just lost in a maze. Sorry, I apologise. That's that's on me. That's all right, Benjamin. It's quite amusing. I think it tells you a lot about your psyche where you've gone. Pretty sure that's Derry M- Demi Moore. I'm going to tell Nick. I have white people blindness. It's a thing. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Benjamin. Yeah. Um, here's here's the summary. Right? Do you remember the the film? Ben Snowpiercer Yes Yeah And it's about A bloody train Yes And at the back of the train Are the poor people Yes Including uh, Billy Elliot Yes And Captain America Yes And some others Yes And they are Disinclined to stay there Yes Because it's no good No No bueno No es bueno As they say Ben And at the front of the train Ben Um there's all the rich people. Yes. And they're having a great time. The they kids are. are going to school. They're having a steak. They're probably in a swimming pool. You know, having a grand old time. Having a great old time. But Ben, one of the really interesting things about the film Snowpiercer, if you remember the film Snowpiercer. Yes. Yes, um, the very successful 2011 film Snowpiercer. Yeah, yeah, with Captain America in it. One of the yes, one of the very successful things about that is we are introduced to the world of the train as yes. the tail end passengers work their way through it okay so we're like oh this is all horrible and grimy and then we get up to the slightly nicer place and it's like oh wow there is kind of society. and then as they progress through they come across schools and then luxuries you know it it basically takes us on a, a journey through the strata of society ah. in the form of uh, captain america doing a rebellion if you remember, yes. do you remember the film Snowpiercer? Yes, I, yeah, I yeah. remember the film. Michael. Yeah, the it's film a, Snowpiercer. It's a quite, quite literally, a linear journey through a train. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, one of the strange things that this film does is it kind of shows us the front and the back of the train simultaneously, so we don't follow that not simultaneously, as in it's happening at exactly the same time in a TV way, where one okay. scene is set on the back and then the next scene is set in the front luxurious section, because yes. I think we're to relate to the front people. As much as the back people in this series. Oh no! Exactly, Ben. You know, and we're supposed oh, to see see how everything. So we see some spoiled teens, for example, in the front okay. section. But Ben, I'm just going to tell you, right? Here's here's where it all, in my opinion, I'm not going to say it goes wrong, but okay, it, where I'm worried about where it's going to go. Be- before you continue, yeah. Does it go a bit off the rails? Oh, very good. I hope not. Because <laughs> yeah, okay. the train would crash. <laughs> and everybody Sorry, would be killed terribly. Sorry, couldn't resist. Oh, very good. No, so Ben, do you remember the film from a few years ago, Snowpiercer? Yes. Yeah, where uh, where all the poor people lived at the back of the train in horrible conditions of deprivation. Yes. And they have been planning for ages um to 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 take their opportunity and when the when the rich people open the doors they're going to charge through and all going to kill everyone and fight their way through the train and they're going to gradually get picked off as they move their way up the train and there's going to be revelations and all that stuff yeah it's a big moment yeah 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 so the doors open and they're all ready to attack 
And, you know, it's very tense because they know not everyone's going to survive and they've been planning it for years. Yeah. Right? Now, imagine that moment from the film Snowpiercer from a couple of years ago, if you remember. Yeah. Um, imagine that moment. But then, just before they all attack, the rich people part of the train said to the Chris Evans Captain America character, Chris Evans, you're the best damn detective on this train and we need you to come and star in a police procedural. Boo. And he went, oh yeah, all right then. Boo. <laughs> That's exactly what happened then. What? That's exactly what happens. It doesn't make any sense, Michael. They're about to do the revolution and they come in and instead they get the guy, the Chris Evans analogue and they drag him out and they say there's been a murder on the train and you're the best damn detective on the train and we need you to solve this murder that's so stupid <laughs> it's hilarious I that's couldn't believe so it then. it was like a parody and then it becomes like a like any kind of slightly futuristic cop procedural you've seen over the last few years like oh, uh, you remember Continuum or um, yeah, almost human, or you know, any of those oh, kind of God. near future cop detective who killed this man and what's it doing to the fabric of society? Oh Jesus! And that's it, Ben. Someone along the way decided it would be a great idea to do a police procedural set on Snowpiercer. Who sat down and watched Snowpiercer and thought the only thing that this film is missing is if it was a police procedural? Is a hard-pressed cop on the edge. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, that's mental. It is. It's that absolutely is mental. Now, I don't insane. know um, how procedural it's going to be. I don't know if he's going to solve this. I imagine he's going to focus on this one murder all season. Jesus. But, I mean, if he solves ancillary crimes as well to pad out the episodes. I will really be... enjoy if it's a murder a week on the Orient Express. It's hilarious. In dystopian Winterville. Oh, it's yeah. absolutely insane, Ben. That's hilarious. Yeah. But, like, the, the, the worst thing about this, Michael, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just. And bearing in mind, you haven't seen it. Bearing in mind, I haven't seen it. And I'm just spitballing here. The worst thing about this is you can't even have the cool outside on the roof of the train moments that are so important in train heists and things like that. It's because they can't step outside, Michael, because they'll freeze to bloody death. It's too cold. Um, but what I'm guessing is, Michael, there are special suits of some kind that people can wear to maintain the train. And at some point, our hero, our protagonist, our detective extraordinaire will find himself in a bloody suit. He's the only on goddamn thing. cop on this train. <laughs> He's the only goddamn cop on this train. Um, oh, man. Yeah. It's, That's it's, awful. It's pretty bizarre, I have to say. I mean, the That's moment awful. of the twist. Because I was watching it going, why? What is the point of this? It's the same, but cheaper. Like it's, it's it's the same setup. They're all getting ready and like they're preparing their shanks and, you know, they're getting fewer food rations and there's a motley bunch of weirdos. I'm like, what? What? And then they come and get him this? then and they tell him, you got to start in a police procedural. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll solve this, but only if you give me some demands. The, the next best part of this that I'm predicting, Michael, because you said there's a motley crew of oddballs, is that there's going to be a moment where he's like, I'm going to need my crew. Yeah, exactly. And he has to go back yeah. and convince him and it'll be, you son of a bitch, I mean. Yeah, he's like, I need the uh, little girl who looks after the rats. 
And I yeah, need the, She's got rat powers. Yeah, I need the old lady who speaks Spanish because she's the only one on this damn train who speaks Spanish. You're the best damn bilingual on this train. Oh, fucking hell, Ben. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so I'm going to continue watching that just out of morbid curiosity. Because <laughs> it's absolutely so fucking bizarre, Michael, insane. I could not have predicted that. Why would Demi Moore put herself in a weekly procedural? Well, she didn't, Ben. You see, it's Jennifer yes, Connelly. Know. That's no, no, that's see, the yeah. gag. Benjamin I leaned into it. Yeah, Benjamin also back this week, which was good news. Is my favorite TV show and yours, uh, Marvel's The Agents of Shield. Yeah, Michael. I, as as always, I feel like I have to point out. You know, yeah, and you know bloody damn yeah. well, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're the best damn podcast host on this podcast. Yeah, that's true. Um, that I don't like Agents of Shield. I think it's a hot, wet garbage fire. A wet fire. A hot, wet garbage fire. It's Michael, go out. Both things. Wet. No, no, a hot, wet garbage fire, Michael. It's just a steaming pile of smelly rubbish that is occasionally smouldering and spits off things. It's awful. I'm smouldering. Yes, it's. I'm very turned on on this side. <laughs> very good, Benjamin. Yeah, it's fine. It's good. It's it's fine. It's like attractive people doing a flip and doing a kick and fighting robots and whatnot. CW with superpowers in the past. No, the CW usually in... has superpowers. Oh yeah, CW with Marvel superpowers. Yeah, there's uh, some indication, Ben, that it's going to tie into the cinematic universe a bit more now, which makes sense because they've time traveled back to the 30s, Ben. Oh, and because Jesus they've time traveled back to the Christ. 30s. Well, that's that's a good thing, Ben, because now they don't have to worry about where the movies are going to go and how they can keep up with them without knowing the scripts. Michael, time travel doesn't work, Michael. It does, Ben. Remember Avengers Infinity Endgame? No. It was great. No. No. It was great. No. It was good. So, yeah, it's no. fine. It's fine. It's very attractive people doing a kick and doing a punch. It's so terrible. It's very good. It's terrible. Uh, I haven't even seen it, and I know it's terrible. That's... Literally all I have for you, Ben. I also watched quite a bit of The Last Dance. Uh, oh, I have to watch this. My brother has has uh, has really impressed upon me to watch it. But, Michael, when I heard that he does not touch on his, frankly, stellar turn as Michael Jordan in Space Jam, I really lost interest. It's really the only reason we would be involved, isn't it, Ben? Yes, they have neither interviewed Bugs Bunny nor Bill Murray, so I'm out. Or Lola Bunny, Ben, your personal favourite. Or Lola Bunny, uh, hashtag formative. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, I'm not interested, Michael, I'm just not interested. Ben, I watched the first episode, it was spectacularly interesting and I was engrossed by it. And then I watched the sep- oh, a second episode and I went, oh, I actually don't care about basketball. <laughs> I stopped watching. Oh no! I, did the, I still don't care about I basketball. did the Ben Colopy classic. I watched two episodes yep. and now I've given up. Two and done. Two and done. So Snowpiercer though. Snowpiercer is my highlight of the week. Now I can't wait two to see through. what next week's case of the week is. The best damn cop on this train. It's, it's amazing. Anyway, Ben, that's all we have this week. So let's wrap it up. Yes. Bloody feck all news, Michael. Michael, Michael, yes, Michael. Benjamin. I've been watching things as well. Oh, very good. And what I've been watching, Michael, is uh, what we do in the shadows. Uh, what Uh-oh. we do in the shadows. But what you and I do Michael. in the shadows. No, no, no. That's for us to know and for everybody else to never find yeah. out. Yeah, com. There's a live cam. Shomerbjog.com is the, uh, yeah, it's basically our version of OnlyFans. It's pretty weird. Um, <laughs> you can just give us a small donation every month. And ooh all your dreams will not come true. Yeah. Um, Nightmares, Ben. No, Michael, I've been watching bloody What We Do in the Shadows. The the Not the movie, Michael. Which is quite the good. FX, the, the movie is bloody excellent, Michael. 
And I've been watching the FX adaptation, What We Do in the Shadows, starring bloody, um, well, the, the the only name of note that I'm fully, fully aware of would be Mr. Matt Berry. Oh, um, Matt Berry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Matt Berry, who talks like this. Oh, that's better, yeah. Um, yeah, it's that guy. Now, you listen here. Um, he's amazing. People might know him from the IT crowd. Michael, it's the exact same setup. It's three vampires living in a gap. But this time there's a lady vampire. A lady vampire? How progressive. A lady vampire. So this one is set on three roommates. Uh, we have Laszlo, Count Laszlo, who is Matt Berry. Mm-hmm. We have Nandor the Relentless, who is the oldest of the three vampires and a former kind of Turkish Arabian warlord. Oh, good. Um, and we have Nadja, the good lady wife of Count Laszlo. Um, and... We also have a new energy vampire, Colin Robinson, who's a modern vampire. He's an energy vampire. He lives with them as well. And Michael, it's probably Go on. one of the funniest TV shows I have ever watched. Even funnier than Snowpiercer. Even funnier than Snowpiercer with its wacky case of the week procedural nature. <laughs> um, it's so funny, Michael. Go on. Um, it, in every sense, takes everything that was great about what we do in the shadows and pushes it to 11 and it never spoils Mm, delicious it's just bloody bloody tossing great and then they are different vampires right they're they are different vampires good it's not a recast situation no but michael let me give you the best news of all michael go on episode seven of season one michael yes has one of the best vampire collections i have ever seen i'm familiar with this scene ben Whereupon they get many of the famous actors who played vampires throughout many of the kind of benchmark vampire films in history, and they bloody stick them in a room together as a council of vampires. Michael, the joy on my face. <laughs> Who's the in it? Joy then? on my face when this came on. There's a bloody Tildy Swintz. What was she a vampire? From only, from only Lovers Left Alive, the Jim Jarmusch film. Okay. With Mr. Tom Hiddleston. Yes. There's there's only bloody bloody. Bloody Danny Dreho from From Dust Till Dawn. Oh, very good. Danny Dreho's in there. Michael, there's the original cast of What We Do in the Shadows. They're on the bloody Council of Vampires. Good, yeah. Bloody, bloody great. A Jermaine Clement, a Taika Waititi, uh, the third guy whose name I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, that fella. Yeah. Um, that fella. Michael, the Daywalker's bloody there. Wes- Wesley Snipes is there. Wesley Snipes is there. Wesley Snipes is there, Michael. Uh, Ivan Rachel Wood... Who played a vampire in the old True Blood. Is it a van? I've there. always called her Evan. Oh, I think it is Evan, yeah, now that I say it. But I'm going to say Ivan because I've made it, I messed it up now and I'm sticking to it. Michael, it's so bloody hmm. enjoyable. Oh, what a show. They're about 30 minute episodes, Michael. They fly by. You will literally zip to it at a fantastic pace. Nothing can contain Matt Berry. I've never seen a man make such a good career out of just being the same person in every bloody show. It's Who's the energy vampire, Ben? I'd like to hear more about him. Colin Robinson, Michael. And it's a guy called... Oh, I'm going to have to find his name. Something... Mark Porkra. I can't really say his name. And what do you mean he's an energy vampire? He's an energy vampire, so he can walk oh. in the day, and he subsists on draining people's energy by trapping them in utterly dull Oh, I know a few people like that. So, for example, don't look at me when you say that, you son of a bitch. Um, so, for example, he'll trap them in the office by the water cooler, and he'll have a conversation when he, where he says, you know, 
water coolers were made in 1937 and they don't come from where you'd think and slowly they kind of disappear and the more energy he sucks out of a room the more powerful he becomes he kind of takes on the traditional vampire attributes of like levitation and turning into Mm. a bat and stuff like that the more he drains people's energy very entertaining michael a nice twist an an interesting take on the vampire mythos bit yes so it's very entertaining michael it's very tongue-in-cheek uh it's another documentary kind of style and it should be awful as a generic kind of knockoff of a great movie it isn't it's such a, a wonderful extension. Is that the of that Link universe. with Snowpiercer, Ben? Uh, yes, yes. It's in that. In that, this is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful adaptation. And the Snowpiercer thing is an abomination. That mm. should be burned well, let's not say that yet, Ben. We've only seen one episode. We haven't even seen the colopy required two. Yes, it's the two and through method. We I'll will have to, have to one, yeah. have yeah, a look yeah. at number two. But Michael, if it changes to another bloody murder on I'll the train, blah. Whoa. So Ben, this is like uh, no, the, anyway. the Buffy the Vampire series. It's a continuation of the TV show. Or sorry, a continuation of the film. Wait, it's a continuation of the film. Yes, but uh, well, I don't know. I've never seen the. You never seen film. the Buffy anyway, the Vampire Michael, film. Oh, I've never seen the, the film, film, Ben. Never, never seen the film. It always struck me as like an off-brand yeah, porn yeah, parody. Yeah, yeah. You see, I wouldn't be into that. Well, it's not porn, uh, Ben. I wouldn't. Oh, well, then I'd even be less vampires there. Um, Yeah, so that got me thinking, Michael, because one of the things that what we do in The Shadows, both movie and TV series, does very well, Michael, is they parody vampires and kind of that built-up lore around them. And they just mark it out as something very, very silly. Um, What would happen to creatures that were born centuries ago if they didn't really bother adapting? They'd they'd probably be social mystics. They'd probably be social misfits and something akin to objects of mockery, mm. Michael. Um, so that got me thinking, Michael, and I decided to do an L deep dive on vampire representation in film. Is it an original no. topic, Michael? Oh, no, God, no. No. Uh, is it going to break new ground, Michael? No. Is it going uh, to fill the gap where we didn't have a topic oh, this yes. week? Yes. Uh, will some of our listeners, listeners probably learn a little bit? Uh, maybe. Benjamin. When you say Maybe. vampire representation in film, are you talking about how we sometimes talk about Irish representation in film or gay representation in film? We're going to analyse yeah. how the vampires are treated by the film and how it reflects real vampire culture. Okay, good. A little bit. Okay. A little bit. Because vampires yeah. are real, yeah, as Michael, I know, as you yeah. know. Um, no, well, let's, let's, let's move on. Okay, maybe not vampires representation, but let's say um, vampire depiction in film and screen. Uh, Michael's doing a vampire face here and it's just spectacular. I just suspect spectacular. you've just got a screen grab um, there when you leave. <laughs> I Well, I tried, but I, I missed it. It was a shame. I, oh, there we go. There it is. There it is. Stunning. Stunning. That screen grab is going straight on the pod uh, this evening. I look forward to it. Oh, stunning. Thank you for doing it again. Um, so, in general, ladies and gentlemen, um, that's what we'll be taking a look at. So, to go back to this, and I suppose what what we do in the shadows mainly draws on is that Eastern European. I want to suck your blood, vampires. I want to suck your blood, uh, that kind of thing. So, first of all, I suppose welcome the to Castle von Draculenstein, Benjamin. That was pretty solid. That was a pretty solid Christopher Lee, nineteen sixty-seven. Did Christopher Dracula. Lee do an accent in Dracula, or did he just go hello? No. 
He was. He I'm, was br- I love, bloody I'm Dracula. And I'll suck your blood, you son of a bitch. Have you ever stabbed a man from behind and pushed him off a tower? Because I have. I have. You know. I have. Well, Peter, that's not the noise they'd make, Peter. Um, it would be more like this. <gasps> bloody, bloody grim. Um, yeah. A man full of dark that's secrets. A, that's a real Christopher Lee story, man. That's, yes, I know. I've, I've, I've seen the interview. It's bloody grim. Um, you can see the fear in Peter Jackson's eyes. It's kind of like, oh, I see. Um, so anyway, Michael, moving on from there. What are we talking about? Um, there are many, many iterations of some kind of energy sucking entity in supernatural mm. folklore uh, folklore you've got uh, bloody hebrew versions of it there were mayan versions of it da, 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 da. but the one that kind of evolved into the vampire is eastern european folklore and balkan folklore yeah um and this really reached a fever pitch during the 18th century there was a, a period of mass hysteria where many many travelers from england yeah. Um, were, were kind of branching out and going on jolly ups around the Europe's gap year they call it a gap year they're going on a gap year and uh, yeah. I, I, I think the treatment of vampires is just appalling um, they're natives they have a right to kind of exist you know and uh, yeah so it's just really intense and I think you know the stigma attached to these guys who are just living you know just shocking shocking you know, <laughs> you um, went a little bit D four in the middle there, but still pretty solid gap year. Yeah. So pretty anyway. solid gap year guy. Anyway, <laughs> your your new there. popular character on the podcast, Ben Gap Year Guy. So th- this led to locals kind of and and locals at the time, Michael, in Eastern Europe and the Balkans, in the more uh, financially challenged areas, would not have been as educated, and they would often regale the Englishmen with tales of of the undead, um, mm. the revenants, the dampier. Um, as they were commonly known. And they, they got a bunch of different names as we went along. Um, Striga is a very common one in the Eastern uh, European end of things. And that kind of crosses over with a lot of the Greek vampire versions, which were uh, a name I can't pronounce, but it's pretty interesting. Anyway, this evolved this concept of a night creature that subsists mainly on blood. They rise from the grave. Mm. Uh, like a, in a revenant form and they subsist but Michael one of the key things is they Go weren't on. very bloody sexy no there was Keep no such thing as a sexy vampire it wasn't no. a thing they were bloody corpses that crawled yep. around and usually ate children get them out of here no, no one wants that no good. You wouldn't, That's not sexy. You wouldn't be slipping your kid off for one of them, Michael, unless you're a bloody no, Benjamin, person. Unless you're on one of the really strange Reddits. Or on the Shomra Pyoga OnlyFans account. Um, <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then um, those tales kind of eventually, I suppose, uh, leached their way into um, the English psyche because um, mm-hmm. a lot of English fiction especially in the 17th and 18th centuries, were colonial tales of barbaric other cultures. You could really knock it up to the the other. Yeah, what would Gapier guy say about it? What would Gapier guy say about it? I mean, look, the depiction of these native people. Oh, just gross. Just gross. (laughs) I mean, I was talking... I love Gapier guy. I was talking to dad. And dad was just like, <laughs> just didn't get it. He just didn't get it. Oh, I yeah, mean, he great. sent the 50 pounds anyway, but I was, I was really pissed. 
that he just oh, didn't yeah, get it. Oh yeah, that's great. I love Gap Gear guy. Yeah. He's, we're going to get his opinion on a lot of things this episode. Then <laughs> it's kind of scary how quickly all of his opinions are readily available to me. It's pretty worrying. Um, <laughs> that may be past experience with real people, Michael. I'm not saying. No, Benjamin, that, talk about vampires, no, not no. gapier people. Okay, sorry, I was I was getting into my method. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on from there. Uh, then this idea of the vampire takes on really whatever you need it to be. Um, yeah, what for, you want for a little while. Um, and I think many people, when they think of vampires, think of the first iteration being bloody Dracula. Um, mm. written by our very own Bram Stoker, Michael. Um, but that's not actually the case. Dracula was written in 1997, and there were... 1997? 18... The year 1997? 1897. When... That makes a lot more sense. Sorry, did I say 1997? I don't know. There might have been an audio glitch. <laughs> okay. But I was very confused. And anyway, what happened was, uh, he, he wrote that bloody tale. Yeah. But really, he's been around for a while. This idea of the the aristocratic vampire has been mm. around for a while and the concept of sexy vampires mm. seems to have been around since way before dracula so in 1819 um yeah. there was a character called lord ruthven hello i am lord ruthven coming to my castle exactly and th- the best thing about this is lord ruthven was like a vaudeville entertainment kitsch vampire thing Oh, sorry. Uh, come to my castle. I want to show you my secret chambers. Come up and show me your chambers sometime. <laughs> Big fat. Yeah, so... And he would kind of put on peep show-esque displays where he would use his vampiric ability to seduce a, a young lady. Oh. Yeah. Lechy, to say the least. So that mm. was kind of an early iteration of that. And then there was another character who was brought into kind of serialization in certain magazines called Varney the Vampire. Right, um, go on, what's he about? And Varney the Vampire is a very titillating vampire. He kind of has body sexual exploits in a serial magazine oh. every week. And the oh, common folk of of England, the the again, financially challenged in England, loved him. He was a hugely hmm. popular character. A couple of years later came the seminal vampire, um, Dracula. <laughs> Oh, Um, I thought you were talking about the fluid. No, no, no. That would be seminal. No, it wouldn't. Would it not? Is it still seminal? No. Gas. What a gas. (laughs) No, liquid mostly. What? Uh, uh. (laughs) Oh. Maybe it is in vampires. (laughs) 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 It just comes out like, and it's a gas. It would make sense because they don't really have like bodily fluids, do they? Do they? The blood, I suppose. So on this Go on, the, anyway, talk about on Dracula. This the final episode of Michael and Benjamin's podcast. Because there's no way Dracula we can seminal gas. Uh, <laughs> can we get that on t-shirts? Um, yeah. I bet you it gets merch. everywhere, Ben. Oh. <laughs> Bram Stoker. Um, yes. Who now is kind of known to be just a bit of an odd guy. We all think of Bram Stoker as this very sophisticated writer. Um, there, there Do are, we? Uh, well, it it would have been held for a long time that he was this great horror writer. No, he he wrote one kind of great book, and everything else is kind of a laudanum induced fever dream. Um, oh, good. And I suppose one thing you can thank Bram Stoker for is eternally damning the reputation of any Slavic Eastern European based country um, <laughs> as some kind of monstrous <laughs> vampiric entity. So Dracula is kind of this famous thing. Um, 
And what he really embodies in Victorian fiction is uh, foreign invasion and xenophobia. Um, I thought it was fear of sexy strangers. I mean, it, it is fear of sexy strangers, but that could also be branded as xenophobia, Michael. Um, you, you can find that still today, Michael. Um, if you walk around and hear some racist chatter in the streets about various I, things. I didn't know that Dracula was a, a, a racism thing. I always thought the thing about Dracula was prote- keeping your daughters virginal. Oh, there's a little bit of that in there too. To, yeah, um, by telling them to stay away from that sexy foreigner. But I suppose an unintended consequence of that, as, as many fictional works often have, Michael, is that it does spur a kind of anti-foreigner uh, push. Um, mm. And that is something that the novel had an effect on in um, Victorian society. There, there was a notable kind of uptake in a little bit of racism against the... Really? The, the Slavic Eastern immigrants. European counts. Uh, the Eastern European counts had a real rough time, Michael. They never <laughs> really recovered. Um, but it did do that. And then, you know, we kind of... It really branded the vampire as this strange, uh, talking, heavy accent kind of aristocrat thing. Um, you know, that that was what the vampire was then for the next hundred years or so. Like, Dracula really did a number on the reputation. Not the next hundred, but certainly the next 70 years. (laughs) Dracula did a number on the reputation of vampires. It was very difficult for vampires to function in society after Dracula. Michael, I say this was about representation for vampires, and I'm sticking to it. Stick to it. Benjamin, what about the famous film Nosferatu, though? He wasn't very classy and seductive oh he's a bloody bloody creepy creepy creep he's a little um, creepy gremlin yeah, so now. this this came a little bit uh after dracula obviously oh, and okay, it sorry. can kind of be seen as the first film depiction of a vampire um and this one again just excellent work michael excellent work there from michael leonard i'm kind of i can do a vampire hand ben do you want to see it yeah go on oh that is a very good vampire that's a hypnotizing hand michael yeah very good I've got spindly fingers. Very, very good. You In college, have... they called me murder hands, Ben. <laughs> Is that not because yeah. you can actually murder people with your hands? Well, I mean, partially. Yeah, I, I would have thought it was far more based on that as opposed to a physical deformity. Um, but yes. So anyway, Count Orlock, or Michael's hand, um, as, <laughs> as he's often known. Uh, Count Orlock far more fell in with traditional Eastern European depictions of vampires. Weird, real uggo. distorted uggo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pale, monstrous. Uh, the, the real problem with, with bloody Dracula was mm. that um, he was a bloody handsome man, bloody dashing. So bloody sexy. Dashing. Once he'd fed on a little bit of human blood, of course. He mm, wasn't, bla- wasn't Oldman. very bloody dashing uh, at the beginning when he was a bit hungry. He was a bit of a yeah. decrepit old man. Um, so yeah, this kind of pushes through and then we see various depictions of monstrous vampires up until, Michael, yeah, 1967. So Hammer Horror then? gets their hands on the rights, B-movies get their hands on it, and we see numerous iterations of Dracula. And in every single one of them, Dracula is just, he's just a bad egg. He's just no bueno. Mm. Um, no good. Get out of here, Dracula. And then, Michael, of all things, in 1967, ABC in America, the television network, premieres a supernatural soap opera called Dark Shadows. Oh, I'm familiar with it then. In 1967. And Dark Shadows centers around the life of, Barna- of one Barnabas Collins. Hmm. Um, and Barnabas Collins is a vampire, but he's a vampire with the soul. Um, he's Johnny Depp. 
He's he's not Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp was in the 2011 remake. Um, no good. Anyway, bloody Barnabas Collins. Yeah. Um, is kind of the first vampire to exhibit torturous qualities. So he oh. very much represents challenging your own nature. Is that where this comes from? Yes. Isn't that bizarre? Barnabas Collins was the first. Isn't that bizarre? Barnabas Collins gave us Angel. Yes. Edward Cullen. Yes. Spike. Yes. Even, I mean, aspects of Blade. Isn't that bananas? That is bananas. That's bananas Collins. See, I told you somebody might learn something today and it was you, Michael. It was me, Benjamin. Here was I thinking I knew everything there was to know about vampires. Yes, there you go. I've been I've been researching, been finding, and I've I fact checked this in a couple of places, Michael. So it's <laughs> solid because I knew, I knew this was gonna bite me in the ass. And who played him? Demi Moore? No, uh, a Shakespearean actor um, oh. called Freed. I can't remember. I'll I'll find it now. But anyway, I'm gonna keep spinning my wheels here. That's amazing, Ben. That is actually news to me. Isn't it? The whole the whole mopey vampire, woe woe is me, to sucketh on the blood of the women. I know. Is, it all starts with Barnabas Collins. Boom. Right? Mind blown, Ben. Mind My mind is blown. Bloody blown. Yeah. Seminal gases galore. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of insane. So that then kind of paves the way from 1967 and then enter the dragon. Anne Rice. <clears throat> oh, Anne Rice. Mm. Oh. Mm. Oh, the inventor of pornography for women. Mm. Mm. She pretty much sets the stage for every single strange, bizarre vampire slash fiction author who's made it big after that. So <laughs> we start with Anne Rice. Um, yeah. And Anne Rice publishes her first vampire novel yeah. in 1976. Is that interview with the vampire? That's interview with the vampire. Now, what mm. I found interesting about that, Michael, is it was published in 1976. I had always thought it was uh, the 90s, but there, there you go. No, that comes from an era when it took books a lot longer to get to screen. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> bloody, yeah. bloody These apparently. days, they're, you haven't even finished writing your book and the studio executives are there with their cocaine going, I'll give you some cocaine if you finish that book. Yeah. I make it into a film. Yeah. You finish that book there, boy. <laughs> Oh, will make me some money, some coke money. Um, a lot of those guys are valet parking assistants now. Um, Good. But yeah, so anyway, Anne Rice comes along and she mm-hmm. enjoys um, she enjoys words like throbbing. Yes. Pulsing. Oh. Crimson. Mm. Uh, gliding. Oh. Irresistible. Mm, compelled. Delicious. And you get a sense of where Not this so is good. going. So Kevin Spacey. Um, oh, oh. Um, this centers around a couple of things, but the, the main vampire that she kind of creates and, and adds to this canon is the vampire Lestat. Yeah, Tom um, Cruise. Played by Tom Cruise in the film. And Lestat is a hedonist. Um, mm. And he kind of draws from the very early uh, representations of people like Lord Ruthven and Varney the Vampire. And what I found out, Michael, um, based on that, because once I realized that, I had to dig into Lord Ruthven a little bit more. Lord Ruthven is roughly based on Lord Byron. Oh, that prick. I knew everything um, would come back to Byron. The, everything the always comes back to Byron. Um, and there were quite a few, one would almost say hatchet jobs done to Lord Byron um, 
all centered around um vampires so mm. there's a very famous novel called um Do- dr caligari and it's about a vampire and that is yeah. also based on uh lord byron apparently byron coming and stealing your daughters apparently so successful was he at seducing mm-hmm. a lady that many mm-hmm. people thought that he was some kind of supernatural being now yeah well look we've all been there ben well, one of us has, um, but yeah, it's it's a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty. Um, oh, it's gonna get me in so much trouble. That's um, gonna get me in so much trouble. Um, but yeah, basically, um, the stat is that that's where the flowing shirt comes from. The kind yeah. of groovy shirt thing. Da, 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 da. He's a mover. He hasn't got all He's his a buttons. Shaker. Been. He's a manipulator. Um, mm. And this is where really the homoerotic quality of vampires and the rampant sexuality of vampires does a bloody explosion on the screen. Um, there's a, <laughs> there's a there's an explosion of seminal gases. An explosion of seminal gases, Michael. Um, now it took us a while to see Anne Rice's one brought to screen, and what what we saw in the meantime, Michael, was kind yes. of a return to monstrous form. So mm. one of the really interesting things that happens in the eighties, um is first of all, they turn every single Stephen King novel ever written into a film. Yes, Christine. Uh, yes, Christine, uh, etc. But the other thing that happens, Michael, is the, the vampire transitions from uh, a representation of foreign invasion and uh, fear of the foreigner to predatory sexuality and uh, decay of moral values. Um, mm. And the vampire goes through an aesthetic change in that regard, and we kind of take the Count Orlock and the Count Dracula, and we mash them together. And the vampire becomes a much more animalistic kind of creature um, during the 80s period. They are yeah. more beast than man in many cases, or they are able to transform into a far more bestial character. The Lost Boys. Uh, exactly, Michael. Thank you for bringing me smoothly into that one. So the Lost Boys would kind of be the first representation of that. Um, the Lost Boys is, in every sense, a representation of unchecked youthful hedonism. Um, so a, a gang, a, a lovely wholesome family, currently going through a divorce, so half a family now, um, is seduced by a bloody uh, vampire coven. Uh, nest I don't know what I don't know what's a collection of vampires they call it a nest in Supernatural they call it a nest in Supernatural yeah I don't know I don't know what we'll call it here but anyway they uh, move to this town Kiefer Sutherland locks, rocks along and he's like hey 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 I'm a yeah, vampire I'm the president or some such uh, comes up with the famous catchphrase you're dead meat which is a great kind of uh, weird thing and they're kind of sexy vampires they're good time vampires but they're also bloody dangerous vampires Michael mm, um, they're kind of punk kids kind of punk kids and that became the fear of, of youth in America they, they came to represent that kind of um, the new youth the one that didn't respect their mom and pop just because they were their mom and pop um, and that's pretty interesting and then in a kind of reverse of that you see Salem's Lot which is an adaptation of a, a Stephen King film uh, or a Stephen King book into a film and that represents predator adulthood on on children where you can't trust the oh, adults no good. and that's kind of look it's a classic kind of creep on the kids that Stephen King does it's weird mm. um, and that's what that is it's not trusting adults anymore and realising that adults aren't always necessarily the people who will do right by you so I mean there's a real interesting shift from fear of the foreigner to fear of corruption from within um, and then yeah so we move into that and then Michael 
as a result of that um that kind of aesthetic of the scrunched up vampire face comes from the lost boys um yeah, which yeah. would later become pretty much the linchpin of um everything in buffy the vampire slayer <laughs> yeah, that aesthetic is it. copy and pasted straight across but what leads us into a transition from dangerous sexuality to desirable sexuality is Anne Rice's novel being adapted um, in 1994. Uh, Interview with a Vampire comes on the screen. They bloody get Mr. Brad Pitt, Mr. Tom Cruise uh, right up there at the top. And oh boy, does that sweep across the uh, vampire landscape and just reshape how we view those boys. Antonio Banderas is walking on the ceiling. Antonio Banderas is walking on the ceiling as the vampire Armand. Yeah. Um, and oh, it's just mental, Michael. Um, in a kind of direct combat, then you can see a split between monster vampire and sexy vampire. Um, mm. Monster vampire is represented by movies like From Dusk Till Dawn. Um, and sexy That's vampire good, is, it's a great vampire movie, Michael. 10 out of 10, would recommend. Purely for surprise Salma vampires, Hayek alone. Um, it's, in the, it's in the genre of surprise vampires. Michael, it might interest you to know, and it will probably fill yeah. in a big gap for you. Salma Hayek as a vampire was genuinely a formative experience. I know I make that joke quite a bit, but it informs <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say there, Ben, Salma Hayek as a vampire was genuinely a vampire. <laughs> Not a lot of people know that. <laughs> that is a well-hidden Salma Hollywood Hayek, fact. Genuine Hollywood vampire. Um, yeah. it, no. <laughs> but anyway, and then basically the Anne Rice sexy yes, vampire dynamic informs everything mm-hmm. after that. We have Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Yeah. Which then transitions to Bumby the Vampire uh, series. (laughs) Um, And Michael, that's it. Yeah. Then young lady meets sexy male vampire is the trope. Um, Sometimes it's sexy female vampire. Yeah. But I think one of the key differences between those two, and this probably is a qualm in representation. This probably is pretty bad in terms of gender spectrums. The... Sexy female vampire is usually very sinister and is toying with men to get what she wants. Whereas many of the male vampire leads are, are men with hearts of gold. Clearly you've never seen the film Underworld with Kate Beckinsale. Oh, God. oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I haven't touched on that, so we, 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 we'll keep going. You better not touch on bloody Kate Beckinsale in Underworld. I'll get you. Yeah, I don't know if you would. Kate Beckinsale would look after me in her bloody catsuit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway... Yes. Uh, the the old the old uh, the old Buffy the Vampire Slayer pretty much mm-hmm. uh, opens Pandora's box in terms of bloody creepy old men sleeping with sexy young teens. Um, when you break it down that way, so what comes as a direct kind of well, not ah, direct the Prince Andrew genre. Direct is 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 unfair, but basically. Uh, Stephanie Meyer watches a bit too much of this, mm. and she unleashes Twilight onto the world. Um, and Twilight can be looked at at the moment um, where horror fans across the world went, oh, that's the end of vampires. Vampires aren't cool anymore. They they get that's a little it. bit defanged, um, Michael, and it turns out that all vampires are A-OK. They're just trying to get by. Um, sure they've got their own society, Ben. They've got their own society. They're just trying to, to get judge by. Them? Who are you to judge yeah, them? And we see very modern much. vampires that live in nice log cabins up in Colorado. Or Washington, sorry, in Washington. Um, they live in log cabins with nice electronic fireplaces and they're actually doctors and they sparkle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you're a bloody nasty vampire who drinks blood, you're Michael Sheen in a cavern in Rome. Um, yeah. So we can kind of see that. And then, Michael, for some reason, Twilight just starts 
a brand new vampire craze. Um, and what we get within the space of five years is more vampires than you can shake across at. Um, or a steak. Uh, we have bloody uh, True Blood comes out then uh, from Charlene Harris. And the True Blood is the Sucky Stackhouse novels. Is what they were called. Sucky. Uh, sucky. Um, it's just weird. Um, Sucky's man, Eric. And then uh, the Vampire Diaries come out after that. Again, based on a series of young teen um, fiction novels. Basically, it's bizarre. Anne Rice has become the, the poster girl for women writing weird slash fiction about vampires. All of these series are based on that. Yeah, Ben, I did a bit of research and... I don't remember where I read or heard this, but I, I did recently. So I am, this is this is from a source, but I've forgotten it's what real. it was now. Um, you know that in, in terms of pornography, Ben, men tend to be more visual, whereas women prefer words. Yes. Um, and I, I think it was Google, but I'm not sure who did it. Maybe it was Pornhub, but someone it's probably did a, <laughs> did a, uh, like a survey of the top five, um, terms search terms for women's pornography excellent and mostly you know mostly written mostly prose pornography and still to this very day ben in the year of 2020 the year of our lord 2020 the top five search terms are still vampire werewolf billionaire pirate weird and i've forgotten the last one so michael correct me if i'm wrong here but what you're saying is we should definitely Definitely write a series of novels about a half werewolf, half vampire, billionaire pirate. That's already happened. That's oh. you've essentially described Twilight. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> you have just described fair. the film Twilight, Ben. That's very fair. Um so that was kind of I suppose the defanging of, of the vampire. And probably what comes from that is the vampire's parody, as as we know today. Um Vampires are very often um, the object of, of mockery. I think in the particular, in particular, what we do in the shadows is a good representation of that. And I'm not, I'm, I don't have any qualms with that whatsoever. Um, I think it's hilarious. It's, it's really well done. And it's comedy, so you have to allow for that. But funnily enough, they're never, they're never the main villain anymore. They're just done. Well, I think that was Buffy that did that, to be honest. I think did? Buffy reduced the vampire to the point of parody where in the first... It happens with everything. It happens with every kind of long-running supernatural series where you introduce in the first couple of episodes, oh god, Jesus, there's a vampire. What are we going to do? I hope he's not sexy. <laughs> oh, and then, boy, I'll have... Oh, I don't know if I can stake him if he's sexy. You know, you pull out all the stops to, to kill him, but then the the nature of serialized storytelling means for some reason you have to keep raising the stakes (laughs) two vampire puns in one phrase Ben Uh, so anyway you have to keep raising the stakes and then by season 7 you're killing 6 vampires an episode yeah and and your supporting characters your frail old man your old lady who speaks only Spanish your girl who looks after the rats, they're all killing vampires offhandedly. Because you, you train them up, even though you're the slayer yeah. and you're supposed to be the only one who can do that. Because you're the only I mean, one who can match the speed. Super, Supernatural has done that as well, Ben. If you remember in season one, of a, a demon was utterly terrifying. Yeah. The, the concept of yeah. a demon. And then by season 15, it's like... I'm going to kill that one. Their sister can one. kill that one. And Sammy, the, the dog give me the knife, kills Sammy. that one. 
Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's it's the serialized storytelling. So, I mean, Buffy the Vampire Slayer had reduced vampires to ridicule by about its fourth season. Fair. And then they had the Dracula episode where Dracula was just roundly mocked. Oh, no. Have you ever seen the Dracula episode no, of Buffy good? the Vampire is Slayer? It, is it worth a watch? It's very amusing. Hmm. They're all kind of bewildered by him. It's like he comes along and he's a real Dracula and they're like, are you really Dracula? And he's like, yes, I'm here to seduce the Slayer. And she's like, no, really, though. Are you really Dracula? You're really Dracula, though. <laughs> it's quite good. OK, I'll have to watch it. It's quite that. funny. I have to watch that now. It's quite funny. But yeah, I, funny. I mean, it, it's really interesting. I, I think one of the interesting things that the what we do in the shadows version does is vampires are still massively powerful um mm. they're just fuckwits in the meantime <laughs> they have no concept of how the real world works um, why wouldn't they be fuckwits ben a lot of people are fuckwits yes i know and i'm sure many vampires probably are too um yes. and i mean like it's just really interesting um from that point of view i i think it can be really dangerous to do the representation that what we do in the shadows does. It could be quite insulting to see them as these, because they're all quite insulting to who Ben? Vampires aren't real. No, I know. No, as in insulting to the to the. Just, I don't know. Just Eastern European and shit people in general. <laughs> I just feel occasionally they can be a little mean spirited. Like it's just. I don't. I don't know, Ben. They, I mean, they've diverged from real depictions of Eastern yeah, so much now. I would say if you asked an Eastern European, even someone from Transylvania, are you offended by the depictions of tra- of Transylvanian vampires? They would laugh. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I'm not insulted by the film Leprechaun. I am. I have a petition, yeah. which I'm going to get you to sign All right, up for we'll, this. We'll do... We'll do an episode on Leprechaun then, I suppose. Uh, we probably should. <laughs> probably should yeah, look at something like that. Probably should get to that. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen. That's... Benjamin, don't forget to put uh, Kate Beckinsale on the thumbnail. Yes, I will. Even though we have talked about clicks. her for a grand total of 10 seconds. Um... That's enough to justify it. We can't be accused of clickbaiting. <laughs> anyway, that's it for most of this week, ladies and gentlemen. How do you feel about vampire representation? Do you, as a vampire, find it very, very difficult when you see your race depicted on screen? What are your struggles? Do you have a petition that you'd like us to sign? No, I'm kidding. How do you feel about vampire depiction um, in uh, pop culture? Were you a huge Anne Rice fan? Were you not a huge Anne Rice fan? Were you a huge huge Buffet fan? And do you think um, that Vampire Seminal is a fluid or a gas? Um, Let us know uh, in several different places. You can find us on showmorebug.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G, dot com that means tiny room in Irish it does indeed you can find us on the gram at Sean Rebug with the exact same spelling and meaning um, and if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts hell yeah uh, give us now review there just down below please um, <laughs> why do you talk to people on Apple like that then? I don't know uh, if you're listening to us on Spotify how you doing you alright hun um, and will you please give us a follow and share us in your stories for all your pals if you have any vampire pals that are struggling with representation uh, send them this episode it might perk up their day um, yeah. Ben what would uh, what, what sort of review would uh Gap year guy right for us I mean it's fine But I think a lot of What they talk about Is very problematic I mean I know a lot of Paddies <laughs> And uh, they're just not like that You know It's just not a realistic Representation of who they are As people It's um 
it's just problematic, you know? Um, it's really weird. Anyway, I'm off down the uh, battle cruiser, so I'll talk to you later. Bye. Um, yeah, so that's probably what he'd say there. Um, and that's it from us, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to leave it on that one. Goodbye. All right, well, goodbye now. Bye. I'll see you next week. <laughs>